Pastor Xavier Reese with a reminder of what's to come. 1 Corinthians 1, 7, the Corinthians were eagerly waiting for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ. Eagerly. The Bible teaches that one day the Lord Jesus Christ will return for His church and take her to heaven. The teaching is called the imminent return of Jesus. Are you, do you believe that He can come back any second? If you don't believe that, you're in shaky ground. Because the soon return of Jesus Christ is the greatest incentive for holy living. You understand? Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Even though the nation of Israel is greatly blessed, there's still an important element missing that will complete the blessing, and that's the accepting of Jesus Christ as the Messiah. Today, Pastor Xavier takes us back to the book of Romans as he shares how Israel still has an opportunity to be complete in God's gift. Open your Bible to chapter 11 for today's Simple Truth study titled, Israel Rejected But Not Forgotten. The Apostle Paul has certainly gone out of his way to make known the dealings of God regarding Israel in this section of Romans in order to reveal the future of uh, man and the faithfulness of God as well as his incredible wisdom regarding salvation. In the ninth chapter of Romans, uh, Paul told us how God chose Israel by his sovereignty to accomplish his own purposes in the past, past election. In chapter 10 of Romans, Paul told us why God chose the Gentiles, because Israel failed in their human responsibility to respond to the gospel and accept the righteousness of God rather than their own righteousness in the present. And then in chapter 11 here of Romans, Paul's going to tell us when God is going to save Israel after the fullness of the Gentile in the future. The 11th chapter could be divided into three parts, as we've stated before. Uh, Verse 1 through 10, you have Israel's rejection is not total. 11 through 24, Israel's rejection is not final. And now, in verse 25 through 36, Israel's rejection is temporal. This is what we want to focus our study on, the fact that the rejection of Israel is temporal, and it's characterized by three things. Let me read our passage, 25 on down. He says, For I do not desire, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own opinion, that blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles come in. And so all Israel will be saved, as it is written. The deliverer will come out of Zion, and he will turn away ungodliness from Jacob. For this is my covenant with them, when I take away their sins. Concerning the gospel, they are enemies for your sake. But concerning the election, they are beloved for the sake of the fathers. For the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. For as you were once disobedient to God, yet have now obtained mercy through the disobedience, even so... These also have now been disobedient that through the mercy shown you, they may obtain mercy. For God has committed them all to disobedience that he might have mercy on all. All the depths, the riches, both the wisdom and the knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments past finding out. For who has known the mind of the Lord? And who has become his counselor? Or who has first given to him and it shall be paid to him? For of him, and through him, and to him, 
are all things to whom be glory forever. Amen. The rejection of Israel is temporal, Paul says, and it's characterized by the following. First, the ignorance regarding Israel's temporal rejection, verse 25 through 27, the ignorance. Secondly, we have the understanding regarding Israel's temporal rejection, verse 28 through 32. And then thirdly, the celebration regarding Israel's temporal rejection, 33 through 36. Let's begin with the ignorance regarding Israel's temporal rejection. Look at verse 25. The Apostle Paul revealed the mystery about Israel here. Paul did not want the Gentile Christians to be uninformed about God's plan for Israel. Listen to his words. For I do not desire, brethren, that you should be ignorant about, of this mystery. The word ignorant speaks for itself. It simply means not having the information, knowing very little about something. And there is much ignorance today in the church. The word is used for ignorance in terms of the gifts of the Holy Spirit in 1 Corinthians 14.1. It's used for the ignorance of some Christians on what would happen when a Christian died in 1 Thessalonians 4.13. And there's a lot of ignorance that goes on in the church, sometimes because people are young in the Lord, and that's natural. But other times because people are willfully not studying the word of God, and they refuse to apply themselves. So there may be 10, 15, 20 years in the Lord, but they don't know anything about the Bible. And so... You have it from both ends. Now, notice the particular truth Paul wanted the Christians to know is the mystery regarding Israel. Very specific. The word mystery means something previously hidden or kept secret, but now made real. In other words, it was known. So we don't want to think of the word as something unknown, but when it's used in the New Testament, it's always something previously hidden, but now made fully known. The root word muo means to shut the mouth. The mystery of Israel was in the Old Testament inasmuch as the suffering Messiah was, yet they didn't see it. It was in shadows and tithes, but they didn't see it. Israel would be put aside, and the Gentiles would be brought in. We have seen this through Isaiah, through Hosea. Uh, we've quoted Amos and, and many of the Old Testament prophets. It was there. Now, notice still in 25 that Paul wanted the Gentile Christians they're at Rome to know the particular mystery. The partial blindness of Israel until an appointed time. That blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentile come in. Underline that, until the fullness of the Gentile come in. The mystery refers direct or indirectly to God's rejection of Israel and his ability to grab Israel back in to their own olive tree. We saw that in verse 24, okay? But the mystery refers directly also to the fact that blindness has happened to Israel. The word blindness means to cover with a callus, being dull of mind and of heart, kind of like a knife that's lost its cutting edge. The blindness is partial. Notice that in part. Not all of Israel's descendants, but those who insist on their own righteousness over the provided righteousness of Jesus Christ. But also notice the Jews were suffering partial blindness as a whole. Rather than part of the people that believed in Yahweh. But they didn't believe in Messiah. Blindness in part. All Jews 
at least from the perspective of national, they believe in Yahweh, the Old Testament. But they reject the Messiah. In part, the blindness is the result of hardening of the heart to the gospel. That word hardening, callous, you find it in Mark 3, 5, Ephesians 4, 18. Now notice the blindness is temporal until the fullness of the Gentile come in. This refers to the full number of Gentiles to be saved in the age of grace. This event will simultaneously trigger the rapture of the church, 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 15. That will begin the tribulation period. Now, this event is not to be confused with the term, the time of the Gentiles. That takes place at the end of the seven years of tribulation and the return of Jesus Christ to the earth with his church to gather the remnant of the Jews. Luke 21, 24 is clear. The fullness of the Gentiles is the sum total of people to be saved in the age of grace before the church is raptured. The time of the Gentiles ends at the end of the seven-year tribulation as Jesus returns. Now, Paul wanted the Gentile Christians to know the reason he didn't want them to be ignorant about the mystery regarding Israel. Lest they be puffed up. Listen to his words. Lest you should be wise in your own opinion. The word wise simply means shrewd of mind and usually it's for self-interest. We're very sinful people. We always think of ourselves first. It's a miracle when we don't. The insinuation is pride, thinking themselves better than the Jew. A conceited estimation of self. Proverbs um, 8.13 says, um, Pride and arrogance do I hate, God speaking. Pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before the fall, Proverbs 16.18. There's just that arrogance in our fallen nature that presumes upon things, that somehow thinks that we have greater liberties perhaps or greater permissiveness or whatever it may be for whatever reason. Notice the implication being they would conclude God was through with Israel forever and that in fact there was no remnant. That's the danger. That's why Paul is confronting them. The conclusion they would come to is that they were now replacing Israel and were in fact the true Israel and all the promises were now transferred to them. We saw that in chapter 11, verse 2 through 4. Again, this is called replacement theology that is taught by most seminaries and churches. It's wrong. It's absolutely unbiblical. After you hear this sermon, you're going to find all the material that's still yet to be fulfilled for Israel. How can you teach that? Look at 26. The Apostle Paul revealed the, the deliverer of Israel. Paul declared that all Israel will be saved there, and so all Israel will be saved, as it is written, the deliverer shall come out of Zion. The quotation is from Isaiah, Isaiah 59, verse 20. Uh, you can cross-reference that with Psalm 14, 7 and Psalm 106, 47. Now, the phrase all Israel identifies all who are the seed of Isaac. Remember, chapter 9, verse 7 and 8, the seed of Isaac. All the remnant according to election, Romans eleven five. All who do not continue in unbelief. Romans eleven twenty three. That's who the all includes. The context is national Israel, not individual salvation. So if you're a Calvinist, keep that context. 
It's national salvation, not individual in these three chapters. Very important. Notice the prophet's original context, if you're familiar with it. He spoke of the Messiah's first coming to Zion. That's the quote that he's taking. And the apostle Paul here, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, applies it to the Messiah's second coming out of Zion. Now, you know that many prophecies of the Old Testament, they're short-term and long-term. Here he does it by the anointing of the Spirit of God, the inspiration, boom, the ultimate fulfillment. Then Paul declared the purpose of his coming was to redeem Israel, and he will turn away ungodliness from Jacob. Again, the prophet's original context says those who turn from transgression. Again, Describing the first coming to his own. Isaiah 59, 20. Paul the Apostle, again, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, says that he, the Deliverer, will turn away ungodliness from Jacob again, applying it to what? The second coming. He's talking about the future thing with Israel. Now, the Old Testament passages, many of them, and this one in particular, refer to the Goel. The Kingsman Redeemer. You remember the Old Testament. One who had the right of redemption on behalf of this kinsman, the next in line. Remember the book of Ruth. Boaz was like that. He was the next in line, so he made petition to redeem not only the property of, of Elimelech, but also Ruth, his wife, okay? Now, this blindness and hardening will be done away with when the veil is removed by turning to Jesus Christ. Be it right now by individual Jews, but ultimately he's talking about the remnant at the end. Christ is their kingsman Goel. Paul the Apostle makes this very clear as he writes to the Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 3, 14 through 16. Listen carefully. Paul says, but their minds, speaking about the Jews, were blinded. For until this day, the same veil remains unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament because the veil is taken away in Christ. But even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil lies on their heart. Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. That's what happened to Paul. Now look at 27. The apostle Paul revealed the reason being God's covenant with Israel. This is the whole basis of his acting. For this is my covenant with them when I take away their sins. The quotation is from the prophet Isaiah again as he prophesied of the restoration of Israel. Isaiah 59, 21. And he also will pull in Isaiah 59. 27, 9. Now Moses charged the people with keeping the covenant and teaching to their children back in Deuteronomy 4, 9 through 10, 6, 6 through 7, before they went into the land again. Now they were going to fail, but he told them, you make sure you teach your children. Communicate your faith to the next generation. The new covenant is found in the book of Jeremiah. Chapter 31, verse 33 to 34. Listen to what he says there. But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord Yahweh. I will put my law in their minds and write them in their hearts, and I will be their God. They shall be my people. No more shall every man teach his neighbor, every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord Yahweh, for they all shall know me, from the least to them to the greatest of them, says the Lord Yahweh, for I will forgive their iniquities and their sin I will remember no more. That's the new covenant. In fact, the covenant was used to exhort the Christian Hebrews from turning back to Old Testament sacrifices in the book of Hebrews, chapter 8, 7 through 13. 
They were denying Christ and they were going back to animal sacrifices. And in that chapter, he recalls this new covenant of Jeremiah. In fact, towards the end, he says, and he says, a new covenant he has made the first obsolete. Now what is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to vanish away. So in other words, there was no redemptive value. There was no forgiveness of sins any longer in animal sacrifices once Jesus Christ died and rose from the dead. This is a new covenant, both for us as well as the Jew. Now, the covenant focuses on the fact of restored fellowship by taking away their sins, because once your sin is dealt with, now you're in fellowship with God. Listen to um, Zechariah 12.10. God says, And I will pour on the house of David and in the heavens of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and supplication. Then they will look on me, whom they have pierced. Yes, they will mourn for him as one mourns for his only son and grieve for him as one grieves for his firstborn. The Jews will know at the end of the seven-year tribulation as Christ returns that they crucified their Messiah. Wow. Remember, Jesus said, For I say to you, you shall not see me anymore until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord in Matthew 23, 39, as he gave over Jerusalem. Weeping. Wow. You know, man is so ignorant of that which he knows best. We think we're so hot. What is it that you think you know best? What, take the topic that you know the most about in your life. And how much do you know of all that can be known? It's kind of embarrassing, isn't it? It doesn't take that much to puff us up, just a little more than someone else. The God of Israel had uh, many things in the Old Testament that he uh, had not fully revealed until the New Testament. And they're called mysteries. Let me give you some of them. The mystery of the rapture, 1 Corinthians 15, 51. The mystery of Christ, the church, Ephesians 3, 3 through 4. The mystery of the gospel, Colossians 1, 26. The mystery of lawlessness, meaning the Antichrist, 2 Thessalonians 2, 7. The mystery of godliness, 1 Timothy 3, 16. That God became man in Jesus Christ. These are clearly known. They're not hidden. Now, in the Old Testament, Deuteronomy 29, 29, listen to what God says. The secret things belong to Yahweh our God, but those things which he has revealed belong to us and our children forever, that we may do all the words of his law. There's so many things we don't understand, but there's so much that we do understand. Let's focus on what we do understand. Real clear in the scriptures. The Bible teaches that one day the Lord Jesus Christ will return for his church and take her to heaven. The teaching is called eminent. The eminent return of Jesus. Are you, do you believe that he can come back any second? If you don't believe that, you're in shaky ground. Because the soon return of Jesus Christ is the greatest incentive for holy living. You understand? 1 Corinthians 1, 7, the Corinthians were eagerly waiting for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ. Eagerly, looking for it. 1 Thessalonians 1, 9 through 10, the Thessalonians turned from idols to serve the living God and wait for him from heaven. That's where he's going to come. He's going to come down in the clouds and we're going to meet him in the air. 1 Thessalonians 5, 2, the Thessalonians were told by Paul that the day of the Lord would, not, would, would come as a thief in the night. You never know when a thief's going to break in. Simple. The believer... Is going to be caught up into the clouds, I said. 
Jesus mentioned it first, John 14, 1 through 3. If you believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many abiding places. If it weren't so, I would have told you. And if I go, I go to prepare a place for the where I am. There you may be also. And I will come back to listen, to receive you to myself. There's the key. Make a distinction between receiving us to himself and coming back with him. First Thessalonians receives us to himself in the clouds. Second Thessalonians, we come back with him to set up the kingdom. Simple. The word caught up is our puzzles, you know. To snatch up eagerly, suddenly, violently from one geographical location to the other. All 13 occurrences in the Bible, in the New Testament, have that very same combination. Sudden, violently, one geographical location to the other. As you know, the Ethiopian eunuch was baptized by uh, Philip there in Acts chapter 8, and he was harpazoed to Azotus miraculously. Paul was harpazoed to the third heaven, 2 Corinthians 12, 2. Heard things not lawful to be uttered. That's where God dwells. Jesus told the parable of the, of the kingdom parables. He says, the seed is sown, and it falls on on the wayside, the hard ground, and Satan comes by and harpazzles it from the ground, from the heart, from the heart of man to the air. Suddenly, violently, a woman's child was caught up. Jesus Christ, Revelation 12, 5, to heaven, harpazzle, all same words. And the remainder are the same. Ladies and gentlemen, we are going to be harpazzled suddenly, violently, into the clouds and be with the Lord forever. You understand? There are certain signs to watch for. The likeness of the days of Sodom and Gomorrah. Look around you. A move to world unity and ecumenicalism. One world bank. One world monetary. One world courts. The coming of ten nation confederacy to be ruled under one world ruler. The Antichrist. Time of ungodliness. Wickedness. Lack of family love. Look around. A cry for peace and safety, and then sudden destruction should come upon them. A return of the Jews to the land of Israel as a nation once again. That happened in 1948 after 2,000 years. The dry bones coming to life in the book of Ezekiel speaks of the rebirth of the nation of Israel. Ezekiel 37, 1948. The Russian army will attack Israel with their five-nation confederacy of Islamic armies. God will destroy five, six, seven army, Ezekiel 38 and 39. That's the next event, ladies and gentlemen. Iran is hot right now. Israel will hit them. To us, it's politics. To them, it's survival. What's the world going to... Listen, when somebody says they're going to kill you and push you into the ocean, what do you care about offending them? Can they kill you anymore? The prophet Zechariah prophesied of the greatest tribulation Israel has gone through. It's in the future. Zechariah 13, 8 and 9. He says two of three Jews will die under the persecution of the Antichrist. Romans 12 verifies that. Daniel 3. One third will be purified through the fire as silver and gold. Silver symbolizes redemption. Gold speaks of purity. There the prophet says, God says, I will answer them. I will say, this is my people. Remember Hosea 1.9, Leomi, not my people. And each of them will say in that day, the Lord is my God. That's 
still future, ladies and gentlemen. Mm. There is much ignorance regarding Israel's temporal rejection. Much. Pastor Xavier Reese and the promise still to come. Simple truths he draws from our study series of the Book of Romans. And if you'd like a copy of today's study on CD, you'll want to ask for Israel, Rejected But Not Forgotten. It's available for only $4. This CD includes the complete message as it was originally delivered, but didn't have time to include on the air. Once again, the title to ask for is Israel, Rejected But Not Forgotten. Or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make a request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. And then join us for more Simple Truths next time with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California www.calvarychapelpasadena.com